Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And have we got a guest for you today. Corey Poirier is a thought leader when it comes to leadership, really many things, but today we're going to be talking about influential leadership and and some of the common traits that those types of leaders possess. And here's a little bit about Corey. He grew up on a small island in the Maritimes, that's up in Canada, and then he's traveled all across North America to speak to audiences of all sizes. He's an award-winning keynote speaker, and he shared the stage with people like Deepak Chopra, Stephen M. R. Covey, many television personalities, and and many more. So we're very delighted to have him here today. He's also the host of the top-rated Conversations with Passion radio show, and he's been featured in one-hour television specials on Eastlink TV and Teletelevision, and he's a columnist with Entrepreneur Magazine, Progress Magazine, with more than 900 articles in print. He's appeared on radio and TV uh, been interviewed many times over. He's been interviewed uh, with 4,000 enlightened super leaders, or he has interviewed over 4,000 enlightened super leaders, and has enjoyed successful corporate careers with Global 1000 Company. Can, can, okay, we're going to fix that. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, no with worries. Global 1000 Company, Konica, Minolta, Fortune 500 Companies, Toshiba Corporation, and Hewlett Packard, and SAP Software. He's also an international best-selling author with 10 books to his credit, and he's presented TEDx and Mo Monday's talks. One of his most recent talks took him to New York City, where he had the pleasure of speaking to at-risk youth at the Brooklyn Navy Yard Boys and Girls Club. Welcome to the show today, Corey. Well, I'm super excited to be here. And yes, thank you so much for uh, inviting me to be a part of it. Absolutely. The common traits of influential leaders, as I said, you have interviewed many people who are influential leaders, and you've interviewed people who are who have researched this topic uh, to a large extent. So you know quite a bit about it. Let's start with uh, what are some of those common traits? Let's just get them out there on the board. Yeah, for sure. So, I, you know, I guess if I work in sort of reverse order, because, you know, you'd like to leave the, the one of the most common traits or the most common trait uh, for last. So people are still going, okay, well, what's this next one? What's this next one? Right, sort of the right. What's the number best. one? Yes. Do I possess it? <laughs> exactly. So uh, one thing I should mention, that's a, such a great point that I think it's important to mention just before so people have some context, is that the cool thing I discovered with these traits is that with each one of these, it's something that you don't have to start with. It doesn't relate to your background, your financial standing. Uh, it's, it's really something, in all three of these cases, you can literally start to develop tomorrow. And mm-hmm. in some cases, you can actually be practicing them tomorrow. You don't even have to start developing it. So it's, it's pretty cool to discover that the, the most common traits that at least I've discovered are not stuff that you have to already have inside you. It doesn't have to be an innate talent. It's just kind of cool because I think a lot of people think you either have to be born with this trait, 
or a trait, let's say, or that you have to have a certain amount of money or be willing to invest a certain amount mm-hmm. of money, and you don't in any of these cases. So that's right, context, right. if you will. Yes. Yeah, so, there's a, there's a, with, that, that's a common question, that age-old question, are leaders born or made? And so you're, you're of the opinion that uh, you can learn these traits. Absolutely, and I'm going to try to back and I'm going to try to back that up with the uh, delivery of these traits. So, uh, the, the, I'm going to say the third most common, and of course, uh, you know, this isn't an all-inclusive list in terms of common traits. I'm just going to hit three because it would take us forever for me to go through uh, even the top <laughs> ten. But right. um, but the third one that we've noticed is that these leaders, these enlightened super achievers, if you will, they understand the power of saying no, so that they can say yes. And so what do I mean by that? What I mean is that when I was growing up, I was taught that you should say yes to everything and then figure out how to do it later. I grew Mm -hmm. up in a small town, and I was just kind of taught that you should say yes to everybody. You never should say no. No is a bad word. And then I started interviewing these top achievers, and I started to discover one of the things that they did really well was say no. And I think it's something that allowed them to stand out from the rest because they were willing to be brave enough to say no whenever most people struggle with saying no. And why that's important is because they've identified, so they took the time, whether unconsciously or consciously, I guess you could say, to identify what are the few yeses that will move the needle forward so that they could say no to everything else. And so whether they have a gatekeeper that allows them to say no, meaning they have somebody that's there weeding out the no's for them, and or they actually themselves, I mean, it could be a one-person solopreneur but just really knows well what their purpose is, what their calling is, and then understands which things are actually going to take them further away from that. So they know Mm -hmm. and they're willing to say no to those things. And then what that allows them to do, again, whether it's by themselves doing it or having somebody else do it, is it allows them to really focus in on their genius area, if you will, or their yeses that, again, are going to move the needle. So saying no and knowing what to say no to, I would say, is is one of the most common traits. Right, and that's interesting because I think a lot of people think that if they say no to something, that's a sign of weakness almost, that, uh, you know, I just I just haven't managed my time well, so I'm not going to be able to fit that in. Or, you know, I'm a, there's this pervasive thought of, you know, the superman or the superwoman that can do everything, and if you say no, then you're not living up to that ideal. And uh, so you're saying just the opposite. You get very clear about what your genius is or what your uh, great traits are and play to them and everything else is just a distraction yeah absolutely and interestingly enough I was also taught in the school system that you should focus on your uh, weaknesses because you're not strong in those areas and kind of ignore your strengths because they come easily to you and of course uh, you know I've learned in the years since that these top achievers hire for their weaknesses that they so they can focus on their strengths so in much the same way as saying no so you can say yes I believe they also say, you know what, I want to work on my strength area, my genius area, the area I'm passionate about, the area that I know I'm good at, and I know I can find people that can help me with the areas I'm not good at, which they might love and they might be great at. So it's kind of counter to what you're sort of taught in school, which is, again, work hard on your your weaknesses, which could be, you know, if we use the example of school, it could be something like biology or chemistry, which maybe something you know you might be in grade 12 and you know that's not your calling that's not your passion and you really dislike you know chemistry and it's just <laughs> not your thing but yet you're being told in the school system no no you got to get better at it because you may need it at some point in your life and like i said as we know most of the top leaders in the world don't spend a lot of time on those areas that they dislike or they're not good at right right 
Yeah, which so brings that's us why to I number. Guess. Yeah, I was gonna say it brings yeah, no, us to number say, two. Yeah, absolutely. So the the second uh, I'm gonna say, well, definitely the most common trait. The second most common trait is I'll word it this way: We've discovered that lifelong learners are leaders. So what does that mean? Uh, Zig Ziglar had an amazing quote that I think sums this up really well. And his quote was that you can finish your school and it'll sometimes be easy, but you'll never finish your education and it's rarely ever easy. And mm. so what he meant by that was that, you know, school might be over, you might be, you know, past high school or college or university, but the top leaders realize the learning's just begun. They understand right. that you need to feed your mind long after, uh, you know, somebody else tells you you should be feeding your mind. And so they find ways to effectively feed their mind, efficiently feed their mind. And this is probably an important note as well. In a world where we're information heavy and wisdom light, they find a way to get past or ignore that body of information that's, that's consuming everybody these days, and they get right to the wisdom that's going to make them stronger and help them survive in the world of learning. So they're, they're lifelong learners. They dedicate to keep on feeding their mind, but they also know how to do it efficiently so that they don't get lost in the maze of information out there that sometimes conflicts one another and sometimes, you know, doesn't help us move the needle. So they're really in tune to how to learn and the fact that they have to keep doing it. And, you know, the idea that the day they're done learning is pretty much the day they stop growing. Yeah. And going back to getting to the wisdom uh, very quickly that they figure out, I think that is the $64 million question. What is, how do you do that with all of the, data that you have coming at you and all of the uh, messages that you have coming at you every day, I think that's a real problem for a lot of people is how do you sift through those? Do they have mechanisms for doing that? Uh, how, How do they get to the wisdom part so quickly? So very interesting question. And, and I'll, I'll say too, just to kind of highlight what you just mentioned, uh, Kelly, in terms of the today versus years gone by. So it's obviously getting more and more difficult. And mm-hmm. so interestingly enough, to tie into this lifelong learning, one thing that hasn't changed is the idea that if you feed your mind, you'll, you'll continue to grow. And so if you think about it, the leaders of yesterday, what do they all have in common? They all had personal libraries, even if they only finished grade yes. three. You know, so the Thomas Edison, Henry Ford. But the difference back then is they could grab books. I mean, really, uh, books were your kind of only option back then. And right. so today, as, as you kind of alluded to and I kind of alluded to, there's obviously an unlimited amount of ways that you can learn, but also an unlimited amount of, uh, I'm going to say, uh, information being thrown at us in many different mm-hmm. ways. So how do these people, let's say, get their wisdom more efficiently? So I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. We're in a learning on demand world. And what that means is, is that we can choose when and how we learn. We can skip the commercials. I mean, there's so many options. So how, how do we do that? Well, for example, skipping commercials, we could be listening to a podcast, let's say. And, you know, if you listen to a podcast, I mean, some podcasts have, you know, tiny sponsor ads, but they're very short compared to listening to commercial radio. So, yes. you know, if we talk about the, the information being ads that are trying to sell us stuff, well, they can listen to podcasts. They can watch YouTube, and YouTube might have one ad in a video if it has that, and it only rotates sporadically versus, again, watching a program on TV where you have to either fast forward through ads or watch the ads. So first of all, they understand that there are ways to avoid the commercials. So let's call that some information. But then more to your point, how do you sift through 
you know, magazines upon magazines that all have conflicting information or uh, getting on, say, Facebook and getting hit with 30 people, whether they're running ads or whether it's the write-up or post that says, you know, come come learn from me. I'm going to teach you how to be a better coach. So my answer would be what you, in my opinion, what, what they do and what you need to do is you need to first, A, figure out who the best sources are to learn from. Yes. And then B, I guess this, this is probably actually reverse order because it probably should be A, but talk to the people that you admire, the people that you say, how do they just seem to constantly be on the cusp of things? How do they always seem to know what's going on, what's in the new? And they just seem to be those people that are, let's say, enlightened. And so how do they do that? And so if you go to the people that always seem to be recommending new books and they always seem to be um, – like I say, on, on the sort of the early adopters or they just seem to get it. What I do is I go to those people and I ask them what they're reading, what they're watching, what they're listening to. And what you'll find is common uh, threads that are coming up. So if you, ask three, or sorry, if you ask people what they're reading and a book comes up three times, if you ask, say, like five people, well, obviously that's the book you need to dive into first. Right. If you ask them what they're watching, and they come back, and, and people keep coming back and saying, I'm watching, enter name here. So Tony Robbins, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, or somebody you've never heard of, somebody that's brand new. And that name keeps coming up. Well, that tells you what you need, who you need to be watching. So then what you do is you find out who, for lack of a better way of saying it, I think it was Jack Canfield in an interview said to me, the usual suspects. Uh, so, you know, once the usual suspects come up, then all of a sudden you can go, okay, well, I'm going to go to those people first. So let's say it's Zig Ziglar or Brenda Burchard or whoever, then you subscribe to whether it's their newsletter, whether it's their podcast, whatever it might be, and you listen to that first. And if, if, if you start listening to them and you get a lot of wisdom really easily or quick, then you know they become one of your sources. So you make kind of a list mm-hmm. of sources and you make those your go-to people. And let's say, for example, you want to, I'm just using this as an example, you want to learn about e-commerce. And now all of a sudden you have a list of 20 sources because when you ask people and, and questioned and surveyed people, they gave you the names and you, you're subscribed to these. Once you have those sources locked down, let's say you want to learn about a certain subject area. Again, let's say e-commerce. Well, then you can go to those sources and search their podcasts and search their things and see what they have. And if they have something and you know that they're going to give it to you without the commercials and they're going to give it to you uh, with just the goods and all the stuff knocked out that you don't need to learn, well, it's worth spending a half hour searching your sources to see if they have the information versus trying to find it as if you'd be looking through a phone book. So mm-hmm. what I sort of recommend to people is find out. And, you know, by the way, it doesn't even be, have to be, if you don't have the people to reach out to or you're scared to reach out to the people to find out who their sources are, I mean, it can start as, as simple as go to the, the usual suspects, the big name sources, and then see who they're recommending. And if they're sharing videos, watch that video. And I think you'll find that that will eliminate a lot of the guesswork and and help you i mean you're you're never going to avoid the information altogether but that'll help you limit it compared to the people that are again are just aimlessly going oh well i'll just go and and see what comes at me next and i'll jump into that first yeah so it's a very deliberate yeah it's a very deliberate process and it goes back to what you said when we first started this interview and that is these these are things that you can go and start putting in place right now you develop that process that's totally within your control to do that and uh, you know, it just it just supports what you said earlier. Everybody has these tools at their disposal. Yeah, and and just to add one last part to that, uh, so great point that you mentioned. I recommend people develop a learning plan, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be. And this is the problem. Sometimes people get scared, thinking it has to be this big, you know, drawn out thing. Your learning plan 
so my girlfriend and I have a, a thing we call TED Tuesday. And what that means is, you know, watching a TED Talk and then discussing that same TED Talk that we watch together, whether we're on, I'm on the road, we might watch it separately, but then discuss it together. Or if we're actually together, we'll watch it together. So it, you could even just have once a week TED Tuesday, or you could have um, when you drive into work, you could listen to a podcast just on your way to work, you know, 20 minutes mm-hmm. each way. So you, can, you right. could listen to uh, Entrepreneur on Fire, which is one I'd recommend. And usually they're about 20, yeah. 25 minutes. So you could actually listen to that on your way into work. And the cool part is, even if you don't have a brand new car, a lot of people don't know this, you can buy an FM transmitter, plug it into your lighter, uh, plug the other end, end into your phone, and you can listen to anything that's on your phone through a radio station that, you're, that you select on the dial. So you could be driving a 1992 Dart, if that's actually a car, <laughs> and you could, uh, you could be listening to any podcast almost on iTunes. And so talking about the idea of being able to decide what to learn from, well, you can then you know, select what you want to learn from rather than, again, trying to just listening to shows and hoping what you're wanting to learn can come up. I mean, there's 375,000-plus podcasts on iTunes. So whatever topic area you want to learn something on, if you put it in that search bar, you'll probably find something. So no you know, when I say about how you can learn, um, you know, TED is a great example of, of an area where you're probably safe to look at TED Talks because there's a lot of game-changing TED Talks available. So TED.com is a great source. But again, you can actually listen to YouTube on your phone. Don't look at it while you're driving, but listen to YouTube and select mm-hmm. something. You can, uh, again, listen to podcasts. You can listen to TED Talks while you're driving. Again, as long as you don't look down at your phone because I don't want to cause any accidents. Right, exactly. But these are all ways. That you, can, um, that you can feed your mind and at the same time have a learning plan in place. So let's say that's that 20 minutes a day or even three days a week you do that on the way to work and you can have it in place. But the cool part is you don't even have to really change your lifestyle to fit it in. Yeah, it's it's a very it's very short. I mean, think about how many how much time you waste during the day and you can easily uh, pull 20 minutes to devote to a learning plan, as you say. Now, what we've all been waiting for, that number one trait. Yeah, so number one is, and, and you know what, it may be a surprising one because, you know, learners, uh, I'm going to say it this way, my experience, you know, the learners of the world, some of them already have this in spades and, and some don't, but entrepreneurs typically usually have this. They might not have it fully tapped in, but they usually have it. So, you know, if for some people, it might not be a surprise. For others, it might be a how do I get there? It's kind of it's one of those areas mm-hmm. where uh, it seems few and far between. Some people have it in spades and other people struggle to get it. But what it is, is I've discovered that these top leaders, they've all discovered their passion and they're living on purpose. So it's this whole passion word. You know, I call it fueled by vitamin P. They've, they've been able to <laughs> daily take that vitamin that you can't buy in stores, but it's probably the most important vitamin you could ever take. Okay, so they're they're living very deliberately, and really, when you look at all of these uh, that you've just mentioned, all three of these, you know, understand the power of saying no, uh, being a lifelong learner, and then discovering your passion and living it deliberately, they're they're really all related because if you know what your passion is and you're living it deliberately, then you are able to say no to the things that do not feed the passion or do not uh, promote the passion, and obviously you're always learning as you uh, you know anybody who's passionate is in my book they're an automatic learner about whatever they're passionate about so they're all very interrelated absolutely and I'll give uh, listeners one sort of deeper tip that ties into all these as well in terms of as you said and mentioned the the idea if you're passionate then you know what to say no to 
mm-hmm. a thing that people struggle with, I find, is, so for example, I'm a multi-passionate person, and, and not everybody is. Some people have one core passion, and that's it. So the challenge for us that are, you know, lo- they're just passionate people. Now, and you still, I mean, me, I didn't have a lot of passion in my life until I was in my 20s. So when I say I'm multi-passionate, that doesn't mean I was born with passion and just filled with passion. But once I mm-hmm. found it, all of a sudden, it opened the door to other passions that were maybe similar, but still could be separate things. So, mm-hmm. you know, as an example, I play music in clubs and release CDs. I play, perform stand-up comedy. And also, of course, speaking is my core passion. But those are three separate passions. They all feed each other, but they're definitely separate. So... Um, you know, when I say this, this is something that I think is crucial, especially for those that are multi-passionate and then even people that aren't but have their passion, is how do you say no? How do you decide what to say no to? Because if you love a lot of things, like, for example, with me, how do I decide what to say no to when it comes to being offered a music gig at a, a really great venue I've never played or being offered a speaking engagement at a venue I've never spoke at before? So yeah. what I did. And what I tell people to do, and it was one of the most powerful moments in my life when I did this, is to decide on and and put together your personal mission statement. You know, if you look at most of the great companies, the Disneys, the Apples, the Starbucks, uh, and then enter, you know, small name of company here locally that's doing great things, mostly all have a mission statement. And they, whether they say it or whether they don't verbally, most of their staff members know the mission statement. So I believe if all great companies have a mission statement, then I think why shouldn't all great people have a mission statement? So I think a person needs to take the time and say, what is my purpose? And so I'll tell you mine really quick. Uh, My mission statement, and it's not pretty, it's not gorgeous, it's not sexy, it's easy to remember. It's uh, I like to be and I am the guy who donates, motivates, inspires, educates, and entertains. And so that's my five sort of test system. So what happens is when somebody says, hey, Corey, are you interested in doing this? Because as you get busier, more opportunities come along than you have supply to deliver. Absolutely. So are you interested in doing this? And so what I do is I put it against that system. So somebody could say, hey, and I've had this, do you want, would you love to have a, or would you like to have a TV show on our network? And when I was younger, that would have been a yes, no matter what. It just would have been a yes. I wouldn't have thought twice. But maybe it's not in line with what I believe in. It's, uh, it's not going to help me donate or give back it's uh, they're going to make a lot of money off it, but they don't want to pay me, you know, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Same with the speaking engagement. They're going to make a lot of money at the door, but they say, say can you do it for free for the marketing? Um, so what I do is I put whatever people ask me to do against that system. And if it's zero or only one or two of those five, and I decide to say no, it's an easy no without regrets. But if what I, they're asking me to do hits off on four or five of those areas, so it helps me donate, motivate, et cetera, et cetera, it's mm-hmm. an easy yes without regrets. So sure. if you know your personal mission statement, I believe it becomes a lot easier to say no and yes because you can say, is this going to move me closer to my mission or is this going to take me further away from my mission? And for the ones that are firm, yes, it will take you further, or firm, no, it won't take you further, I believe that becomes an easy yes or no and an easy way to decide how to say no and yes to things. You also sometimes talk about a personal legacy statement. What's the difference between that, a personal legacy statement, and a personal mission statement? So, I mean, so I'm going to say in some ways they're interchangeable, but the difference is, the, for me, the mission statement is what you're, what you're doing now. So, in other words, what am I going to do this minute in terms of, you know, I want to donate at this minute? And the legacy statement is more what do I want to be remembered for? So, in other words, 
you know, uh, you know, in terms of how do I want to be remembered. And so for me, a personal legacy statement, or in my case, my personal legacy statement is I want to make an impact. And it's as quick okay. and simple as that. So I want to make a powerful impact. I want to make a lasting impact. And then the personal mission statement is how do I do that? Sure. So how I do that is by donating, yeah. motivating. So one's a present tense and one is what do I want to be kind of remembered for and mm-hmm. or known for. So, I, you know, one of the other things I say to people often because they ask me about legacy is that too often we think of legacy as after we're gone. Yes. And I believe that legacy can also be what somebody's saying behind your back right now when you're not listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, remind, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so I believe you have two choices. Um, and I don't think either is right or wrong. I think it's just whatever feels comfortable to you. You can either direct your legacy today. So in other words, you're, you're still not going to decide what other people feel your legacy was, but you can direct your legacy today so that you are focused on this is what I want to do today. So I have a big impact and I'm remembered for that impact tomorrow or even talked about for that impact even while I'm still alive. Or you can just let it all happen on its own. And I'm not saying either is right or wrong because if you live your, live your life right, then your, your legacy will still take care of itself. But some people decide they want to know what it is or decide what they want it to be so they can have a little more direction in it as it's happening. So I just wanted to add that either or, neither are wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, just to sum up here today, uh, we, we're talking about uh, influential leaders, characteristics of influential leaders. How do all three of these, and then you said these are, these are not comprehensive. These are the top three, and you chose these also because they're things that we can put into action right away. But how do these combine to make you an influential leader? So really when it comes down to it, in, in my experience, Again, if I look at, and this is not common traits necessarily, but what do these leaders do that allow them to lead at the highest level? And one of them is they have more of their time to focus on their core genius. So, you know, when, when they learn how to say no and what to say no to, that allows them to focus on their passion more. It allows them to focus on their genius area more. And so they can actually, uh, they have more time to lead people in the right way. And to me, leading people in the right way is spending most of your time in that genius area so that you can develop other people in their genius areas. And mm-hmm. so they get some of their time back because they know what to say no to. Uh, we talked about learning. And again, they know uh, how to learn more efficiently. So that, again, frees up some of their time. But it also, by them doing the learning, they grow as a leader. And I believe right. that leaders are people that continuously grow and become better and master their craft at a higher level so, again, they can share that and pass that on to other people. And, and I believe if they can discover their passion and they know how to work well within their passion, as they're leading people, they're leading with passion. And people love to follow somebody who has a good energy and, and is passionate and, and living on purpose and doing, you know, the right things when it comes to their purpose. But then, again, when it comes to developing others, because they found their passion and they know the value of that, they're more apt to help others find their passion. So by talking there. about leading from – Personally, like, you know, just, you can be a leader without a title and a leader without leading other people. So from that perspective, again, they, they focus, I, if I did a full summary, they smoke, focus on their core genius area and keep feeding their mind. And then on the flip side for developing other people, they help those other people focus on their core genius and they help them feed their mind and they help them find their passion if they haven't found it yet. Very true. You know, you have more information and and more to share than we can tackle in today's podcast. So where can they go? Where can our listeners go to find out 
more about what you do. You've got 10 books out there. Are they all still in print? Yes, and, and I'll say yes and yes. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So why I say that is because there's, there's print, so there's uh, top of my head seven in bookstore books. So seven that uh, you know are available on Amazon, let's say, and in certain bookstores. But then the last two books I did, uh, uh, yeah, so I guess one's a compilation, and then the last two books I did were digital books, and they're both mm. free right now. We're finishing up a okay. third in the series, and it's going to be free. But once that free period's done with the third book, we're actually going to put it together as one book for sale at, at events and, and on Amazon. But in the interim, so why this is significant, in the interim, uh, your listeners can actually grab, if they want, uh, a copy of the last two books at, and this is an easy website to remember, This is thisisthebook.com. And if they go there at the very top where it asks for code, they can use best you ever, all spelled out, no spaces, no capitals. And that's for the enlightened book. And then if they scroll further down the page, we have a book called Thriving. And if they use the capital letters Thrive Now, all capital, uh, where it asks for the code, then they can actually get their copy of either book. Uh, if they want to connect with me social media-wise and just in general, I would send people probably to thepassioncure.com because on that website, uh, you'll find all the social media links, you'll find episodes of our show, you'll, uh, you'll be able to read my blog. And then finally, the one place I'd send them that's sort of fresh and new is my latest uh, TEDx talk just came out Monday. Uh, so if they go on YouTube, type in Corey Poirier TEDx, uh, and then it's the talk, um, how to uh, conquer or crush your fears and expand your comfort zone. So if they go all there, right. they'll find that as well. So lots of different ways to uh, continue to learn from Corey. Can you repeat again the name of the website that this is the book.com? Is that what it was? Yeah. So the, the book website is this is the book.com. And then those two passcodes I mentioned will get them uh, their free book. One thing I'll add a caveat is whenever they enter that, uh, of course, we send it via email. It's the only way to really send uh, a PDF book efficiently. And uh, so what they'll have to do is watch their email folders because sometimes, of course, it doesn't make it into the inbox and then people email right. and say, hey, where's my book? So watch there <laughs> sure. and they'll confirm and then it'll be on its way almost with it, in, almost instantaneously. Okay, this is the book.com. One of the codes is best you ever, all lowercase, and the other one is thrive now, all uppercase. And then you can also go out to the website, thepassioncure.com, to connect with Corey via social media and uh, other means. He has a lot of information out on that site as well. Thank you so much for being our guest today, for sharing all of your knowledge and, and wisdom. We really appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to go download those books. Uh, awesome stuff and thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure and thanks for all the great work you're you're doing for your listeners and continuing to do for the world thank you Corey. have a great day and if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com follow us on facebook thinking bigger business media or on twitter at ithinkbigger have a great weekend we'll see you next week lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.